Welcome to the Successful Contractor, powered by CertainPath, a show for residential contractors about residential contractors. We chronicle business journeys, share insights, and celebrate successes in this wonderful industry. I'm your host, Bob Houchin. For more information on how CertainPath can put your contracting company on a certain path to success, visit our website, www.mycertainpath.com. I hope you enjoyed today's show and take away a nugget or two. Brandon, thank you so much for being on the show today. Uh, greatly appreciate you have being on here, having you. Uh, for those who haven't had the pleasure of meeting you, would you please share with everyone your name, your title, and what that means at Certain Path? Sure. Uh, great to be here. By the way, Bob, thank you so much uh, for the invitation. Uh, my name is Brandon Marshall. I'm Vice President of Training at Certain Path, and uh, the training department is uh, the ones who uh, host all the classes, train our membership on a variety of different things, which we'll hear a little bit about. But uh, that's who I am, and uh, it's been really, really great. Yeah, yeah, you guys have been, we've had a busy year, and you're going to have another busy year in 2024. I know you guys have got your schedule out for the entire year, which congratulations on doing that. I know registration isn't open for all quarters, but the first quarter for sure. Um, what are some classes coming up that you're excited about? For example, I was just thinking about the last year you guys rolled out a new drain cleaning class. Uh, and, you know, what, what other classes have you guys been working on in 23 and looking forward to in 24? There's been so much action. I mean, it, you could look at the whole membership experience team and say that there was action. There's action with partner network, action in uh, events, obviously. And then uh, with all the coaches, there's always action. But uh, training specifically, uh, we were very thrilled about the way the, the drain cleaning class turned out. Um, that class is unique in that it's uh, part classroom, but also part lab. So people can actually go out into the lab uh, and uh, and use these tools, use the materials, which is very cool. Uh, I don't think there's another thing like it. So we're really excited about the way that that turned out. Uh, we also have uh, created a couple of classes and revamped some, some uh, existing classes. Um, so uh, I think this year we rolled out uh, the culture-based growth class, uh, which we'll talk about. Uh, we rolled out the Developing Effective Managers class, which has taken off. And, and for those um, that are needing to develop uh, that middle layer of management or become better managers, uh, I don't think there's a better class out there. Michael Zeller does a great job with that class, and it's just very, very impactful. Uh, we redid the sales management class, which is just um, it, it was a necessary move, uh, but it, it, we didn't know that it would be as impactful as it is, which has led the way for some other things, you know, associated with it. So, uh, Carl did a great job in that, uh, revamp plumbers advanced, uh, continuing to work on service essentials, which is going to be a brand new version of it that we're going to roll out at Expo. Uh, so people can look forward to that as well. Now it won't be the class in the first two days, but it will be happening, uh, for frontline people, uh, during Expo. So. Um, that's going to be a, a great addition to what we're doing. So we're just constantly moving, constantly uh, creating new things and, and uh, revamping uh, existing things. And so it's been an incredibly busy year. But we're, like you said, we're looking forward to a huge 2024. Uh, we put uh, just over 4,000 students through class uh, in 23. And we're expecting uh, to do at least that many in 24 and, and some increase there. So. Uh, the program has been fantastic. Yeah, that's that, it's a incredible amount of people when you think about it. But uh, it's a lot. It's 
Yeah, but that's not it. You guys have done, I don't even know how many on-sites, which maybe explain for people that are newer members or non-members what, what an on-site is and what you guys will do for, for members. Sure. Uh, on-site program um, has been something that we thought about for a long time. Um, you know, with the total access subscription, which a lot of members are, are involved with, uh, you can get up to three people in any class you want, you know, anytime you want all year long. It's great value. Everybody understands that and appreciates it. And we appreciate the fact that they love it so much. Yeah. Um, but the on-site program is when you have, you know, 10 people, 12 people that you want to train uh, all at one time. And, uh, you know, the, it's hard to get that many people to a class in Dallas. There's an expense associated with that sure. uh, that uh, that we have offset by saying we'll come to you instead. Um, and, uh, and the response to that has been absolutely brilliant. We can customize any class that you like, which, which is what we like about it. Cause it's specific to the, to the needs of your team. Uh, for example, if you have a bunch of HVAC selling techs that you want to train, it's great. We can use our format and material to be able to do that, but we'll also have some conversations with the owner and say, what are you really want to hold in on in this two days that you have us with you? And uh, it's been so impactful doing some team building stuff. And, and it took off to the point to where we thought we were going to do about 18 this year. Uh, we're going to end the year with 30. Uh, that's 30 members that have requested those things. And the requests are still coming in. It's very popular. It's very impactful. And so uh, it's, been, it's been awesome. I was going to say, you did 30. You probably could have done 60 or 100 if, if the oh, bandwidth would have allowed it. Because yeah. I've heard the demand hasn't slowed down, and, and everyone that ever has our, our people in their shop go, oh, my gosh, we should have so beneficial for everybody. So, yeah, for those members looking to do that, maybe uh, call early and often and get on the schedule for 2020. So yeah, wanted to be sure to talk about that. Uh, I'm excited to talk to you about a couple of topics I think that feed beautifully together, and it's the idea of, of culture-based growth, as you had mentioned a moment ago, and then building trust with your team. I don't think one can happen without the other. Um, let's start with, with culture-based growth. As you said, it's a newer class. We're going to offer it again at a, our upcoming expo in Dallas, which is March 20th through the 22nd. I think the, the two days before that is when that class is, mm -hmm. when that class is, excuse me. Uh, and for non-members, expo is basically our, our convention we have twice a year. We have 1,100 people to 1,500 people attend. Um, it's, it's a great time. Um, but this culture-based growth class, we've done it before. It gets tons of great reviews. Uh, Brandon, for you, because you helped build out that class, what is what is culture-based growth really for people that are unsure? So anytime we do a new class, especially something like a culture class, it comes a lot from what we hear. Uh, we are paying attention when the members say, here are the gaps, here's what we need. Uh, field. And so uh, culture-based growth comes from the idea that there is a culture that retains people as well as a culture that recruits people. And so uh, understanding what your needs are uh, and being attractive to someone other than yourself. You know, we, we're always proud of the culture that we're built, but how do we take that culture that we've built and make it attractive to people who aren't already a part of it? Um, and so once we, once we base our, our, uh, recruiting off of who we are. Uh, then we get the kind of candidates that we like. We get the kind of people who are pliable enough to, to mold them into being an effective part of our team. And so, um, and then, and then once you have them, how do you retain them? How do you keep them? How do you, how do you grow them within that? So it's a lot about growing people, growing a company and, and, and growing that, 
those two things together. So uh, it's an excellent class. Excellent. Class. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's something that culture was always something we, I, I've mentioned in this show many times, but when it was first introduced with us, I don't Culture, what is that? You know, what does that mean? It's a very, it's a difficult thing to put your hands around. And, and I'd come from the old school. We were an old school organization 20 years ago. It's like, Hey, it's operations. That's what matters. But the more you see other companies operate and, and you see the ones that, that sustain and grow healthily and they, and they grow bottom and top and, and top and bottom line, excuse me, they are the ones that have a strong culture because they're not churning through people. They're worried about their people. And when you worry about your people, you pour into them and you get the right people, right? Like you said, with recruiting, um, you're going to have sustained growth. You'll have hiccups, sure, like any business does, but you're far more likely going to enjoy sustained success versus the, you know, plenty of companies I've seen take off like a rocket and then crash. Support for this podcast comes from Shuby. Avoid costly cleanups on the job site with Shuby's high quality shoe covers, gloves, coveralls, and surface protection products. Shuby products are specifically designed for home service professionals to keep your work environment clean and showcase your professionalism. Made from strong, durable materials that won't rip or tear, our products ensure maximum protection. We know that your time is valuable, and that's why we make it our mission to provide you with the tools you need to get the job done quickly and efficiently. Keeping your clients' homes and floors clean can be a hassle. Try Shuby today and avoid the hassle. Use code when we talk about culture breaks based growth and culture i think it starts with core values. um what what is what in your mind core values what do those mean what what role do they play in culture kind of enlighten people uh on those two. sure uh core values are the things that we stand on no matter what and um you know they're not just the pictures that we put up on the wall or the words that we think are fun and, and uh, it really kind of defines who we are to people who don't know and to people who do know, because we're willing to stand by them and stick by those things no matter what. And now, uh, you know, when, you, when you're building a culture, the first thing that you have to do is take a real honest look at who you are. And that's really what a core value is telling us, uh, is that this is who we are. At the very core of who we are, this is, this is who we are. And growth can come from that. Um, you know, and it, if you think about um, what multiplication and growth is every living thing has the ability to do it. Um, if you looked at an apple, beautiful red apple, green apple, whatever you prefer, it's attractive on the outside. Uh, but that's not, that's not the sustainable growth that you're looking for. Um, if you taste the apple, you eat the meat of the apple, it's enjoyable, all these things, but that's not your ability to produce. The ability for anything to produce is found in the seed, which is typically found in the core of the apple. And so getting to the core of who you are, that's what a core value means is these are the things that are the truest parts of us. And this is what we want to reproduce from this core. Not just the attract things and the fun things and all that's great, but the core of who we are gives us our best chance of multiplying in a way that we can sustain it. Yeah, I think what, what I've often heard from the, the really large successful companies, they lean in those core values because it allows their managers to make decisions based on like they would the owner right because they know this is what we stand this is what we stand on so you don't have to micromanage you know you, you get the right people in place they know what you stand for they can make those key decisions um let's let's talk about recruiting because you, you touched on that earlier and that's a big part of what the class is about um 
you know, we're, we, we talk about recruiting and hiring based on those core values. So what are certain qualities people should be looking for when interviewing people? Are there certain things that you always should be looking for? Or what's your take on, on interviewing and trying to get to the heart of who the stranger is sitting across from me? Yeah. Um, interviewing is, uh, it's always going to be a fun thing to do. Uh, I think there are people who enjoy it, people who don't. At the end of the day, uh, if you do enough of them, you'll start to get a gauge on the, what's out there and who's out there. Um, you know, you, you'll learn a lot more about people. Uh, but I think some of the most important things to look for are, are they coachable, teachable, uh, first and foremost. You know, it's great if they're high performers and we love that. We want them to be driven. All those things are important keys, but can they put that aside enough to learn a new thing, to take on a new uh, thing? Because if they're not pliable, then what you're doing is interrupting your culture instead of adding to your culture. Um, you know, I've always said if you want to maintain a culture, then you promote people from within. If you want to change a culture, you hire from the inside out. Now, that's typically around leadership, but, um, you know, it's um, the interview process is something that I look for specifically. I look for people who are humble. Um, I look for people who are, are intelligent and people who want to do something greater than they're doing now. I think those are some, some keys. And then we have to give them that greater to look at. You know, that's how we keep them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to put you in the spot. We'll see. But yeah, I love to asking people that interview uh, others. Is there a particular interview question you like to ask that really kind of puts people on edge and go, oh, oh, I didn't prepare for that. And you can, <laughs> you know, who they are and, and you know, they, they stumble for a second or they have to pause. But then you get some some truth, I feel like, in those moments. So do you have a question or one or two you like to ask? I think one that throws people off and, and they may not see coming. Uh, one of my favorite questions to ask, whether it's in an interview or whether it's just for a person, that really kind of gives me an insight to who that person is. Uh, I like to ask, when you were in kindergarten and the teacher asked you what you wanted to be when you grew up, what did you say? Uh, it, it's not common. Yeah, but most of them have to sit back and look, and it forces them to go, "Okay, what did I say?" But you're going to get a real answer because nobody's going to fake that. Oh, I wanted to be, I wanted to be doing exactly this. No, you didn't, <laughs> you didn't even know this existed, right? Yeah, right. People will say, "I wanted to be a veterinarian. I wanted to be a, a nurse. I wanted to be a a cowboy, a, a football player. You know, whatever it yeah. is." And that gives you a little bit of insight. Um, yeah. That uh, if, if somebody says that they wanted to be a vet when they were younger or a nurse or something like that, then I can immediately assume about that person that that's a person who desires to help other people. And if that's what I'm looking for, then 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 it's good. Uh, if that's what if that's going to be a good fit. But that's one of the questions I ask. And then if it's a leadership position, uh, I always ask: Is it more important to develop a person's strengths um, or to develop their weaknesses? Hmm. Okay, speak on that a little bit. I'm intrigued. Well, so we have a tendency to uh, admire the strengths of people and give them one area uh, to to use those strengths, and that's important. I believe that a person's strengths should be pushed to the forefront always. Yeah. But then there's the weaknesses, and and is it more important that we develop those or that we just lean on the strengths? Um, I'm, I'm curious to what people's response to that is. It gives me an insight to what type of leadership they may bring um, because I don't think we can ignore our weaknesses. Um, and I don't think that we can skate by on just strengths. I think both are equally as important. So it's always an interesting answer to that question. 
and uh, yeah, says you walk off a person. I like that. I like that. Um, let's fast forward a bit. I mean, you cover a lot in the class. I just want to touch in on some of the subjects. And I think we did that obviously with the interviewing, but, but one thing I'm always fascinated by is how do you know when you have maybe the wrong team member on, on the team, or it's just someone going through a rough, right? Someone that maybe they're having an issue at home or they're dealing with a sick parent or something where it's, they're not a hundred percent focused at work. But you, you know, so how do you know when it's time to cut bait with someone that's just not on the right? They're not. They're, they shouldn't be on the bus. Versus they're just going through a tough. How, how do you kind of figure that out? How do you handle those situations? Yeah, that's a that's a hard one to deal with because, I mean, obviously there were good things about them uh, that made you bring them on. There was some performance there that you were happy about, and uh, you know suddenly that performance is not there. Um, there could be a lot going on with that, but I, I think first and foremost is knowing that person on a level that's not just measured by what they're achieving. Because right. um, if you don't do that, you're never going to get to what the real answer is. If you don't take the time to develop that relationship with a person, I mean, there might be a very high-performing technician who's been doing great for years. You kind of have to look at the whole body of their work and not just where they are in the moment. And I think uh, sometimes we look at, at what our needs are as management or, or and and. We look at the goals that we're not going to meet because, you know, and we get so ingrained in that that we forget that there's been this entire body of work that it won't work as great. Um, so so I think that it's just a, a matter of approaching that person, having a real conversation with them, uh, doing your best to give them what they need to get back on track. Uh, but I always ask myself these two questions. Have I done everything that I can do? Uh have I given them the proper training? Have I given them the encouragement? Have I been patient? Have I, you know, all those things? And two, how is it affecting the rest of the team? Um, right. Because at the end of the day, you've got all these people who are depending on you, not just the one. And so uh, there's a book that I recommend called Necessary Exits. Uh, it might be Necessary Endings, actually. Endings, yeah. uh, yep. But it's a really, really great book to kind of help explain some of that and help you through those processes. But um, I have a tendency to be... Um, a person who thinks that I can fix a lot of people um, because it's just a joy. And, and so I, I've been guilty in the past of hanging on too long, uh, sure. you know, when it was when it was really just time to make that decision. So it is a fine line, but um, yeah, knowing the person, looking at the entire body of work and giving it everything you've got will help you sleep a lot better at night, that's for sure. Yeah, no, that's a great book. It talks about seasons and you know, not everything stays the same way. Sometimes someone's not always meant to be. That's okay. Um, what you know, you've been around a lot of high performing training a lot of them. What are two to three things companies with great cultures do that allows them to enjoy long term success? So there's certain things that always stick out to you. Certain themes. Yeah. Um, the first thing is they have a real idea of who they want to be and where they're going. Uh, you know, they're not just floating off seeing what happens this year. They've got a plan for the next two to three to five years, and everybody has a pretty good understanding of what that plan is. Uh, you know, they, they have a vision out there that uh, that people can run toward. And 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 then, too, they, they have a sense of family. Uh, we say it a lot, you know, but I have noticed, especially with our, our customers when I go out and visit, a lot of them truly do embrace the idea that they're that they're a family, um, and and that's important. Um, but also, they're not afraid to um, 
not afraid to have hard conversations with each other. Right. You know, everybody wants to be family until it comes time to do what family does. And sometimes <laughs> family, you know what I mean? Sometimes family sure. has to have a difficult talk. But I think yeah. when you've got that, the right culture, which we've witnessed, uh, it makes that conversation easier because you know at the end of this, uh, we're going to come to a resolution that's going to be good for both of us. And that kind of takes the tension away from some of those hard conversations. But uh, those are some things that I notice, you know, a lot with some good companies that we deal with. Kind of uh, to put a bow on this part of the conversation, what do you ultimately hope people gain going to the culture-based growth class? I hope people see that they do already have a culture. You're not building from nothing. You have a culture. It's just a matter of what that culture is and if that's something that you can be proud of and you want to hang your hat on. Um, I want people to see that you're not as bad as you think you are. You're not as far behind the game as you think you are. Uh, that there's uh, that, that this is totally doable and then it's not just a buzzword. It actually matters. Um, but also, I want people to walk away with the tools to be able to find some really, really great people um, and to, to hold on to the really great people they have. That's the whole idea of this thing, because it's, uh, you know, if, if we don't close the back door of people leaving or constantly burning through new people, that does us no good. So just becoming something that um, that they can be proud of, something that maybe creating some vision that they can't see yet and uh, and helping it through that. That's good stuff. And, and that class, again, I think it's March uh, 18th and 19th. It's the two days before our expo starts. It's in Dallas. It'll sell out, even though I know we'll probably have 50 seats or something because the demand, we try to stretch it as best we can to accommodate everyone. But uh, at some point, the fire marshal gets on us. So uh, be, sure, be sure to register for that. Uh, speaking of expos, you spoke at our last expo, uh, which was in October in Temecula. Uh, gave a great keynote presentation on building trust team and you can obviously tell me if i'm wrong but i always feel like trust is such a crucial component in having a company built on a strong culture right you were talking about you know you can have an honest conversation with someone that's not doing well because you know them because you spent that time and they have you have trust in one another um so yeah by the way if you guys haven't watched brandon's presentation if you weren't through live go to the the hub it's our, our website our member website that video's there it's a great resource for managers, for owners. Support for this podcast comes from Goodman. There's a good reason that Goodman is one of the biggest names in cooling, heating, and energy-efficient home comfort. The brand has been around for over four decades and continues to produce one of the best values for high-quality HVAC equipment in the industry. It's easy to sell, install, and maintain. Goodman's continuous efforts have helped contribute to the success of many HVAC contractors like you. Goodman produces a complete line of residential ducted split systems and packaged units. The company's product line is supported by numerous technology enhancements, including the award-winning AlumaFin 7 evaporator coil. This evaporator coil provides an efficient option for installations in space-constrained homes. The drain pan and cabinet door design provide enhanced coil reliability, offering homeowners the peace of mind they deserve. Select Goodman equipment comes with Comfort Bridge technology, which allows the system to be connected to any 24-volt thermostat. With Comfort Bridge, contractors have access to the Cool Cloud app, which helps them connect, configure, and diagnose the system wirelessly. It's no wonder millions of homeowners say, thank goodness for Goodman. Look for and be sure to follow Goodman on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube.
Brandon, you had uh, shared a personal story about uh, an old boss and one of your biggest mentors. He said that uh, a client owed you guys 50000 and he kind of tasked you to collect it. Did you kind of mind sharing with the audience uh, what were some of the takeaways from that experience? It was a pretty interesting uh, story. Yeah, it was uh, It was definitely an experience, I'll say that much. It was <laughs> the, the largest amount. Of, you know, when you're uh, 25 years old, probably when it happened, and yeah. just getting into the idea of uh, what a business looks like uh, from that level, and you're asked to go collect $50,000, which is a ton of money, it still is today. It's, it was a lot larger, you know, at that age. Sure. Uh, it was intimidating to say the least, but I was willing to try it. And uh, just the idea that he had the trust in me that I could pull it off, uh, first of all, was huge. But that came from the relationship that we had built over the, the, those several years together. And uh, in his mind, was not near as big a deal as it was in mine, you know. So, right. Uh, I went out to get it. And when I walked in that room, Bob, it was like everything was made out of, Everything was wood grain, which was a big way to set up your office back then. Mirrors everywhere, chandeliers. I was out of my league for sure. Uh, <laughs> and uh, But I had on my best suit uh, at the time, uh, which I think cost me like 99 bucks or something. It was like, well, yeah, two for one suit. And uh, <laughs> I came in and, and sat across the table, and it was really my first experience with, uh, with how brutal the business world can be. Um, you know, in my mind, we would have a very civilized conversation that there would be no rebuttal that we would work out a plan. Um, you know, and so that was in my head walking in and I experienced something completely different. I mean, this guy just ripped me to shreds. He called me every name in the book and it was like, whoa, there are people who are not nice in this world. But I was, you know, I knew that, but I didn't know that all, especially on that level, you don't expect someone to be as unprofessional as, as they were. Um, but I stuck to my guns and, uh, had all the proof and, and did everything that I thought that he would do. Uh, yeah, going back to what you're saying about culture and core values gives us an opportunity to respond in a way that we feel like our leadership would, because we know what we're about. And so I held true to that. And when I got back to the office, I mean, ultimately I ended up with a $50,000 check, um, and, uh, got back to the office. Well, that guy had already called my boss. Mm. And I overheard the conversation that they were having, and he was accusing me of doing the very things that he did. And, uh, you know, one of the greatest compliments I've ever got received to this day was when I heard my boss say, I know Brandon, and he didn't say that. Yeah. And hung up the phone. And uh, that meant a lot to me because, you you know, you work hard to build uh, a reputation that's based on character, that's based on integrity. And to know that someone valued and appreciated that and believed that as much as I did was a, a huge deal for me. And uh, it had a, it, what, it deal, it, what it did was just reinforced that all of my loyalties up until that point were correct. That the things that I had, um, you know, sacrificed and, and worked hard to achieve mm -hmm. meant something to somebody other than me, uh, which I think ultimately when people are doing any job, they want to know that what they're doing makes a difference and that other people see it as valuable as much as you do. Um, and so, you know, in any culture, I think it's important to understand that nobody wakes up today and goes, you know what? I think I'll just go be mediocre. I think I'm going to do the very least. Um, people strive to do the very best. That's something that we can understand about all humans is that we want to do our best and we want to make an impact. 
if we're experiencing the very least in an employee, chances are because we didn't recognize their best. Mm. And when their best wasn't a value to you, what yeah. you got, your result was their least. Yeah. That's what I see, you know, all the time. That's interesting. Um, I know a big part of, um, you know, talking about trust in the keynote speech, you had talked about um, to create trust, you have to give something or you have to give people something to think, to feel and decide. I'd written that down. I thought that was very interesting, an interesting thought, you know, in, in terms of how to build trust. And, and just like your boss trusted you and then you've trusted him and that's why he, he had your back and then you're like this, I'm working for the right guy. So what does that mean exactly? Give some someone something to think, feel, and decide. What does that mean? That has um, everything to do with the way that we communicate with each other. Mm -hmm. um, you know, any message that you're trying to deliver that you want people to understand, it has to have those three components in it. You have to engage their mind in what they're doing um, or what you're saying um, so that you get those creative juices flowing. When a person's mind is engaged, uh, you know, then, then everything else flows through what we think. You know, the old adage is, as you think, as a man thinks, so is he. That is that is who you are. And so if we can engage that brain uh, and that mind in a, in a conversation or in a, in a vision or in a whatever, we have a better chance of seeing the fulfillment of it. And then you have to give them something to feel, um, something to engage their emotions, because it's our emotions that drive us to decision more than any other element of who we are. Um, and once you develop a... a their mindset, once you engage their mind, you engage their emotions, you want them to ultimately come to a decision. Uh, you want them, you want there to be a shift in operation or, or, uh, uh, decide that yes, is, this is the right thing or no, it's not. And here's why, but, um, building on that has everything to do with the way that we communicate to people. We hear in our trainings all the time, the number one thing, when we say, what would you like to take away from this training before we ever get started? The number one thing people say is, I want to be a better communicator. And that, that is something that, that is unique to, not unique, it's, it's universal to every person, I think, that wants to communicate on a level that, that, is, uh, that people understand what you're saying. Most of the time, it's not because we are not good at speaking or it's not what we're saying that is the problem. Most of the time, our communication problem starts when we didn't listen in the beginning. If you notice a, a person who has um, a, a hearing defect, something, you know, or develops over time, a hearing thing, ultimately it affects their speech. It, it, and, and the same is true, but, you know, it, it's universal. Um, if you're not hearing correctly, you won't communicate correctly. Um, and we think that we're just falling short because we're poor communicators and people aren't getting this because I'm not saying it right. Maybe. And that's part of it, and you should work on that. But the majority of it is, is that you weren't listening to what was important anyway. That, yeah. that we developed an idea on what we wanted people to believe, and we ran with that rather than what people actually need and want. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, another key concept that you had shared in that keynote was the idea of the three Bs, belong, believe, and behave. So for to, to earn someone's trust as the leader, you have to make them feel like they belong, believe, and behave. And I want to talk about what, what each of those mean a, a little bit. So let's dig into belong. How do you make people feel like they belong? They belong to a team. They believe belong a part of your organization, part of who you are and what you are. Yeah. 
Well, it, it starts again, like I said, with a real um, honest look at who we are to begin with. You know, I, I can't ask you to belong to something that I'm not sure I belong to, you know. Right. Um, belonging has everything to do with being inclusive of a person. You know, businesses spend billions of dollars a year trying to perfect inclusion. Um, mm -hmm. In fact, it, it, what it does is that I think that the statistics were that it that it raises an employee's uh, uh, production by over 200% when that sense of belonging is there. It's the reason why we have, you know, uh, clubhouses when we were kids. You remember? You, and our first response was, if they did something we didn't like, was, you can't be in my club. Yeah, because we base whether a person belongs on how they behave. We've got it backwards. Um, people don't know how to belay, behave until they understand that they belong. Yeah, that's the truth. And, and you'll get much more out of a person when they feel like they're doing it for a team, for for a uh, for you, um, for something other than a paycheck. And so that sense of belonging kind of takes all that away. Now it's not just my idea of what I want to do in a career. It's our idea of what we want to do as a company. And so yeah. that's, that's the major difference, but things like, uh, uh, just taking a real interest in who they are outside of work, yeah. um, making sure that they understand that, that what they do matters. Um, you know, whatever that looks like, if it's a, a simple comment, if it's a handwritten letter, if it's a thank you, whatever it is, just continuing to encourage them, uh, allowing them to make mistakes, uh, is a right. big one. Uh, I agree. I feel like I can't make a mistake if I feel like my entire being with you hinges on whether or not I screw something up, man, that's the behavior that you're going to get from that is, is, uh, is, is far less than it would be otherwise. So belonging is, is super important. Yeah, no, that's a, it's, it's amazing how many, uh, people, successful owners have interviewed the last year that have talked about allowing their people to make mistakes and, and letting them know, I expect you to make mistakes, right? You can't get the best out of somebody if, if they're going to operate out of fear. So that's a great a great nugget. Um, the second point you mentioned was believe, and you talked about the different concepts and how to create that belief. And one's being intentional. I think you started talking about what being intentional was just a moment again, but maybe talk a little bit more about what being intentional is and how to create that sense of belief. Being intentional means, uh, you know, well, it means a lot of things. And, and I think intention is, is, is part of a two, if you consider the business like an airplane that runs off of two engines, uh, one of those engines has to be intentional. It has to be the intent of doing things on purpose. Um, and, and if you have a sense of belief within what you're doing is right, then you will be intentional about that. Uh, you know, if the technician goes in and, and they're willing to walk away from a deal and it's, it's easy uh, for them to walk away and just all oh, try again the next one. But if we boil that down to what that really is, it's a belief that, maybe I'm not the best person for this and maybe someone else is better. But if you believe that you're the best solution for them, then that will cause you to hang in there and, and maybe uh, keep trying and keep, keep, uh, keep pushing and, and, and do some things that you wouldn't normally because you actually believe in something. And, right. Uh, right. And being intentional about what we believe in, in uh, is something that uh, you're just constantly reinforcing. Uh, it's not just something that we talk about once a year in our company kickoff meeting. Uh, it is an all the time thing that we're constantly reinforcing and being intentional about making sure that people are doing things for the right reasons. Yeah. Um, 
not just because it's profitable. That's great. But profit is never the reason. Being effective, being helpful, being uh, impactful is the reason. Profit is simply the result of you doing those things intentionally. Right. Uh, another th- concept you had mentioned in that idea of generating belief is is this thought of being vulnerable with your people. Mm-hmm. And I want you to to talk about because something I was like, that's a great. It's great because right, you create trust through being vulnerable and having honest conversations. But you also, as a leader and a manager, you have to be accountable. You keep or keep other people accountable. Excuse me. So how do you manage being vulnerable while also being keeping people accountable? How do you manage that? You know that that, that aspect of it? It can be a slippery slope because we sure. we want to be close to our people. Um, no one doesn't re- desire a relationship with people that we spend so much time with. And sometimes there's a fine line between, yes, we are close, and yes, you do know a lot about me, but we still have to get the job done. Um, it's, it's, it's a juggling uh, thing that we constantly juggle. But when I say being vulnerable, I mean being open to not being perfect. Um, to give them something to strive toward or something to uh, admire or want to become. Because in leadership, that's basically what we're doing is we're creating other little us's. We're just duplicating parts yeah. of ourselves in other people. Um, so you're either going to duplicate the things that you want them to think you are, or you're going to duplicate the things that you actually are. Yeah, And, and that requires you to be a little bit more honorable. And going back to making mistakes, it's important for an owner to pull somebody under their arm and say, yeah, that was, that was a mistake. But let me tell you about a time where I made a mistake. Let me tell you how I screwed it up. And, and, and it's okay to do that. Um, some leaders have this space of they have to be uh, stone-faced all the time, and people can't relate to that. People can't relate to that perfection and that never make a mistake and that never do anything. And the best leaders I know are relatable. They're relatable to people. And, uh, and it opens you up to who that person really is and the truth of what we really want to accomplish. It all has to do with being honest with yourself, being honest with your people, and being able to show a little bit of vulnerability is, is never a bad thing. Um, that doesn't mean that we don't hold them accountable to the KPIs that we set in front of them. It just means that those KPIs mean more to them because they're doing it for a real person instead of for, you know, what we want them to think we are. A great story you shared uh, and I had to touch on it because I really liked it in that concept of belief and believe is you come back to your, your you'd left your company you'd been with for a while. You'd come back and you'd notice the culture had kind of eroded. People were not taking care of the place and the bathroom was a disaster. Oh, yeah. And I thought this was just really admirable and talk about sending a message without saying a word. Right. So I was like, re- I really was, uh, I don't want to say touched. I didn't tear up, but I was really impacted by the story. And I thought it was like, we got to bring this up because it's a great leadership story, right? From not being the guy that's like pounding his chest and you got to do things a certain way. It's, it's acting out what you believe. So can you kind of share with everyone that story, if you don't mind? Sure. Um, when I had come back to uh, the Lennon company after a short um, hiatus of doing something different, um, I noticed that the condition of the building itself uh, was not something to be proud of. Our break room was an absolute nightmare. We had 85 some odd employees that used that break room on a day-to-day basis for lunch breaks and this kind of thing. Um, I went into the restroom and it was absolutely horrible. Uh, somebody, <laughs> somebody had started a booger collection on the wall. This is no joke. 
And I mean, they had me blown off this thing for like three months. I mean, they were, it was impressive. Um, I, I could have got on the bullhorn or the loudspeaker and, you know, told everybody could have called a meeting and do that kind of thing. But that's typical. That's something that they don't respond to, obviously. Sure. Um, so I went home. I put on one of my best suits, tie the whole thing, good shoes, uh, came in, walked past everybody, uh, got the cleaning supplies and got down on my hands and knees and I scrubbed the break room floor. And I went in and I scrubbed the bathroom and I scrubbed the men's bathroom. I scrubbed the ladies, but absolutely ruined the clothes I had on. I was a mess and they watched me do it. Um, and then I never had to do it again. I never had to walk through there and people be intimidated by who I was. I never had to walk through there and people feel like they had to get back to work just because I was watching. They got back to work because I wasn't watching. They got back to work because they had this uh, this respect for a person. Who, if I think it's important, you'll think it's important. All right. And I don't have to address that in an ugly way. All I have to do is show you what it means to me. And because you mean something to me, I'm willing to do it. And it, was, uh, it was changing. It was a great, great story about, you know, leading by just, hey, this is what, this is what I expect. And I don't need to say it. I just need to do it. You live out what, what, what means to you. Sure. Uh, last, the last concept, the last B was behave. And um, it was interesting because you talked about it from the angle of giving employees discretion in allowing them to try new things. Right. And, and that's a scary thing, especially in our industry and our folks who are used to being on their own and doing things on their own. Cause we deal with a lot of small operators you know, plenty of big ones too, but everyone starts from somewhere and that big, uh, step from small to big is allowing others to do things. So, um, what advice would you have for members or non-members who are great people, mind you, they're not, they're not bad people because they don't, they're, they're controlling it. It's just how they, where they've come from, but they got to overcome that, right? They have to learn to trust other people, allow them to make mistakes. We talked about that earlier, allow them to to do and try different things. So how do you kind of get over that mindset of only I'm the one that can do X, Y, or Z, you know, or, or Joe, you have to do it this, this thing, this certain way that I've been doing it this way for the last five years. How do you overcome that, that big hurdle that we see happen with a lot of people? Yeah. Well, there's different reasons why people do those things. Um, if it's a safety issue that you're trying to direct someone in, um, obviously you, you, you know, don't stick that fork in that socket. I mean, that's something, that, right, that you kind of have to go, this is the way it's always been done, so please yeah, don't yeah, yeah. do that. Because there's something, I'm trying to stop you from something that's harmful to you. At that point, you have to step in and, 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 and you know, stick to your guns. But um, if you're a person who's setting yourself up as um, the only one who can accomplish something or the only one who's ever going to be great at this, you're all you're really doing is ensuring that when you're gone, this thing's over with. You've become the ceiling. It goes no further than you. And uh, people won't stick with you. That's the truth. They'll go find somewhere else where they can grow and do that. But it goes back to belonging and believing. When a person knows that they belong, then they'll start to believe. And when they start to believe, they'll start to behave. And so this change of behavior doesn't come from us making them do anything. This change of behavior comes from us saying, here's who we are, here's where we're going, here's what we believe. How do you contribute to this overall picture? 
and allowing them the freedom to bring their gifts and their strengths to the table and not being intimidated by someone who might do it better than you. You know, I have made peace with the fact a long time ago that there will be people who come along that people would much rather hear from than me. I'm not ever going to be the most talented person to do what I do. I got to be okay with that. I got to be okay with helping them along the way because as leaders, we're either developing people or we're, or we're not. And, and when you develop people, you have to be okay with the fact that they might be a little more talented or they might have an idea that actually works. You know, um, if it's not something that's going to be harmful or damaging, let them run and see what happens. And then you get that teachable moment at the end, either this worked or it didn't. And here's why. Either way, you're developing that person's character. You're, it's a development thing more than a being in charge and doing it the way I, I, the way I do it. Um, and uh, your way may have been successful, and that's great, and no one's taking anything away from you for that. But this, this way might actually you know, be successful as well, and if we pay attention to what people are saying, we might actually learn something. I'm smart enough to know that I'm not smart enough, and yep. that's, that's, I think, where we kind of have to be. It's amazing. Yeah. The, the great business owners and leaders I've ever talked to or interviewed, they all say, I am not the smartest person in my company. You know, I'm not the most talented. I just try to find those people that are and then nurture them, right? Try to create a strong culture that allows them to build some trust that we can trust one another and we want to march together towards a greater goal. It's, that seems to be the thing. that. Yeah. If I can't see my face in the picture that you've created for this company, I'm not going to stay. There has to be a great vision, but I also have to see where I contribute and where I tie in and allow that is an exploratory process. Give yeah. me a chance to, to, to do this and then we'll, we'll see if it worked or whether it didn't, you know, but it's all, this is exploratory and it's not a perfect science. It's uh, cause you're dealing with humans. It's still be one day. Great. And the other day they're going to hate you. But at the end of the day, <laughs> you know, the, you have to keep that end game in mind. We start with the end in mind. Here's where we're trying to get, and we got to be willing to allow some flexibility on how we get there. Absolutely. You know, it's funny, all the times I've talked to people, or especially when I was really learning the business and I talked to great operators, how do you know when it's the right time to do this, right time to do that? And they go, you just got to do it. And then you learn, right? And it's the same same thing with building a culture or building trust in a business. You just got to kind of take that leap of faith that you guys watching this all took when you started your business. You just got to keep doing that and then and then learning from it. So. Uh, anyway, yeah. so this, this has been fun, Brandon. I've really, uh, really enjoyed chatting with you as always. You bring a lot of light and energy to the podcast. It's a nice change of pace from what we normally do. So thank you so much for your time, sir. My great pleasure, Bob. Thanks for the invitation and uh, love you guys. It's going to be a good season. Absolutely. Have a great one, Brandon. We'll talk to you later. Thanks, Bob. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. If so, please like and subscribe on YouTube. If you're on your favorite podcast player, please leave us a five-star review. The two seconds you take to leave a review will help other success-minded contractors like you find us and hopefully get a little bit better, which elevates our entire industry. And please join me for future episodes. This has been The Successful Contractor, powered by CertainPath. Support for this podcast comes from Redesign.co. Feeling overwhelmed by the ever-changing world of digital marketing? Redesign.co is here to simplify it for you. We focus on what matters, getting your business seen online. With our expertise and effective digital marketing solutions like Google paid ads and local SEO, we help your services get the attention they deserve. No jargon, no over-the-top promises, 
just solid strategies to boost your online presence. Let's team up and give your business the online boost it needs. Reach out to partner with redesign.co and stand out to potential customers when and where they're looking. The Successful Contractor Podcast is part of the Certain Path family. Certain Path builds successful home service businesses and has for 23 years. We do it by providing contractors with a proven path to success, professional coaching, software solutions, and a member community of over 1,000 contractors just like you. Doubling your sales with a 20% net profit and an inspiring company culture is all possible. Let us show you the way. With Certain Path, success is made certain. Visit www.mycertainpath.com for more information.